Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast brought to you by NAPPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NAPPAC's Executive Director. We record this, our 21st episode, on the 19th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks on our nation. We will never forget. Never forget. It really does feel sometimes, Michaela, like it was just yesterday. It really is hard to believe it's been 19 years. And for so many across the country, this has been quite a harrowing week from the wildfires in the West, everybody getting back to school. And here in Washington, D.C., the Senate came back into a session to vote on the skinny bill version of the fourth installment of the CARES Act. That's right, Michaela. They picked it up and then dropped it like it was hot. It did look that way to me too, Abigail, but luckily NAPAC, as a service to our members, has ready access to the top political minds in D.C. And we just happen to have one of the best right here, Paul Braithwaite. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michaela, and it's great to be here. Paul is the chief strategist at Federal Street Strategies, a full-service government affairs firm here in D.C. And Paul, for the benefit of our audience and everybody in the PAC space, how should we understand what happened on the pandemic relief legislation? And from your perspective, what is likely to happen next? Well, it was definitely an interesting week again here in Washington. Um, As you know, the Senate reconvened after the August recess, after Labor Day, and they took up a Senate Republican uh, bill led by Leader McConnell. It had quite a few different nicknames, the skinny package, the targeted package, the emancipated package. Um, Washington is is cute with its with its various nicknames. But at the end of the day, the package failed, and it uh, it was an attempt by Leader McConnell to get his caucus all to agree to to a certain thing. And uh, he got 52 out of his 53 members to to vote for it. But because of the rules of the Senate, you need 60. So it wasn't successful, and it was a reduced package from what they had introduced before the August recess. Look, the coronavirus pandemic continues to be with us and, you know, in different parts of the country, country continues to be spiking and disrupting uh, everyone's lives. And, and I think everyone's cognizant that Congress and, and the administration need to do something. But unfortunately, the minds are in different places. We've got House leadership that passed a bill in mid-May uh, that was around $3 trillion. You had it in the administration uh, propose a package that was about $1 to $1.5 trillion. And, and then you had some negotiation that took place and House Democrats, Senate Democrats came down to about 2.2. So they said, you know, we'll come down a trillion if you go up a trillion and maybe we'll meet in the middle somewhere. And uh, that hasn't happened to date. I'm an optimist because I I just believe that with a health crisis and an economic crisis still gripping the country and an election year fast upon us, policymakers and elected officials should be responsive to their constituents. And, And so while there's some glimmer of hope that over the next 20 or so days before the end of the month and uh, and everyone heads home, uh, there may be a chance, uh, it, albeit a small chance, there's still a chance because they'll be here. Um, now, as you all well know, the fiscal year ends on September 30th. Secretary Mnuchin and, and Speaker Pelosi seem to have already reached a deal to keep the government open, which is good news. I think the last thing you'd want to have is the pandemic raging and the economic crisis raging and then the government shut down because they can't even figure out how to do that. But luckily, uh, it seems as though they've decided to keep coronavirus and 
uh, government funding priorities separate. And so the government will stay open. Leader McConnell continues to think that because we're so close to Election Day, nothing might happen. Leader Schumer believes that the actual opposite, one of them will be right. It's now been several months since the last deal was struck in, in March. And I think we need to hold out hope for our fellow citizens that something else can be done to, to help give them aid. Well, Paul, thank you so much for that insight. And I hope that you'll come back and see us again real soon. I'd love to. And thanks so much for inviting me uh, inviting me on today. I think the work that you all continue to do, the service you all continue to provide for your members and the public at large in the constructive way that you do it is, is quite valuable. So it was a pleasure to join you today. And, uh, and thanks again. Thanks, Paul. Great stuff. Michaela, we've got an important segment coming up next. Discovering the new normal in the employee-funded PAC space with Christine Kilbride. Can I do my thing now? By all means, Adam. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Well, we're not in Kansas anymore, and so much has changed in the last six months from the way we work to where we work and with whom, and making sense of all of it is a challenge for all of us in the PAC community. But today, we are lucky to have Christine Kilbride with us. She is not only a former board member of NABPAC, but she's also a grizzled PAC veteran, having served in leadership roles at critical moments at both Boeing and Genworth. Today, she is principal at Kilbride Public Affairs, and welcome to the Facts About PACs, my friend. Thanks for having me, Michaela. This is uh, fun to be on the um, best, what is it, the number one podcast for PACs, so I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much, Christine. You were on one of our very first webinars when COVID-19 hit, and we had you on to talk about managing through a crisis. When you were at Boeing, you were there during 9-11. Ironically, today is the 19th anniversary. And then you were also at Genworth Finance when the financial crisis hit. And so here we are five months later from that presentation. And what are you and your employee-funded PAC clients seeing right now? Have you discovered a new normal? I think that it's interesting, you know, when we did that webinar, I feel like we were just a couple weeks into our shutdown when we, I think we all can agree that we thought we were going to be in shutdown for two weeks and go back to normal. And obviously that hasn't happened. That two weeks went away like six months ago and we can't sit around and wait for it to be over. And so we've got to do something about it. For most of my clients, it was, you know, for one of them, it was about July-ish, August when they were like, okay, yeah, we got to do something. I have another client who were like, oh, we've got to hold off, we've got to hold off. And just this month, they're like, yeah, no, we can't hold off. I'm like, yep, it is time. It is time to get ourselves back in our normal routine of asking and making sure that we are informing and educating. And I mean, you know, we're eight weeks out from the elections. This is what we do, you know, and if we can't, if we can't be in the ball game, then why are we here? Um, especially in this important time. We are getting back to the core of what we do in the PAC space. Is it the way we're doing it that's new in this normal? Is it the people we're doing it with? Some people, NABPAC has really broadened and brought in a whole bunch of folks to help create the space for 
all of the services that we give, it's different than we've done before. We're working with new partners. Definitely. I mean, we're all learning to think outside the box because we're forced to. And I have for years harped on thinking outside the box. Like, let's not just do it because we feel like we're bound by these rules. Okay, so let's think outside the box, keeping within our rules. You all did a webinar, NAPAC did a webinar a few weeks ago on um, raffles and auctions. I thought that was fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, you guys go look it up on the website because you will gain more knowledge than you thought. You, you may think you know how to do raffles and auctions, but you don't. And I just sat there and that, oh my gosh, well, I could do this. I didn't even know I could do that. Or that was a good reminder, you know? Um, so I think that it's, it's thinking outside the box. It's going to the people maybe you've never gone to before. One thing that I have found beneficial with almost all my clients over these last few months is they all have a pack board, an engaged pack board or an advisory council. And I would advise you, especially to in times like these, to gather up a group of advisors if you don't have a group already and bounce ideas off of them. They Two pack boards that I work with were the leading reasons why we started going back in and starting to solicit because they all said yeah we feel it's comfortable or we feel it's comfortable but only to this group of people right now you know in the corporate world that could be your you know some of your leadership team I highly recommend having somebody from HR on your board or, um, you know, or advisory council because they know how the employees are feeling. They also know possibly what's coming down the road and can hold you off on things. And then if you're an association, create the people who are really involved in your association. Maybe they're really involved on the state level because they've got an in on what's going on just with their basically their next door neighbor or whomever and talk to these people and use them as your sounding board is everybody feeling okay okay let's go out and do this having served in leadership roles at critical moments quite like we are now at both boeing and genworth what hard-fought lessons can you share with all of us managing packs during this pandemic never stop communicating even if it isn't an ask that's fine you have to always 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 keep yourself out there because you don't want to be forgotten so that when the time comes that you feel comfortable within your organization to start asking for money people don't think they only hear from you when you're asking them for money or you're not having to go back and re-educate people on who you are what is the pack what does it do who is this organization so constantly keep up those communications and the communications could be a simple this is what happened with the skinny bill this is why it's important to our industry it could be a real quick read email. I think that's important. I'll tell you another thing that I think is very important in times of crisis, if you're still fundraising, you've got to make it personal. Going out with an email solicitation to people, you might pick up a few here and there, but you're not going to get what you want out of it. And if you don't make it personal, especially in times of crisis, people are going to ignore you and you're going to come off looking like a telemarketer. You know what I'm saying? Like, or the piece of mail that you get in it, through the, through the old school mailbox, right? And you throw it away because you're like, yeah, whatever. It's a, you know, um, it's a charity and I don't feel like it, or I don't like this group or I have no idea, so I don't even need to open it. But if your friend calls you or your coworker who 
used to sit next to you, but now you Zoom with every day, asks you personally, it's a lot harder to say no, or you're going to listen because you're like, oh, well, my friend is into this. Why, why won't I be into this? So that is the one thing I will say that I have found in moments of crisis. When we've been able to fundraise, it's been because we've done the personal ask. Yes, it takes a lot more footwork. Yes, it takes a lot more time. But if you want the results, that's what you're going to have to do. It's interesting you say that, Christine, because we've been talking a lot about just working in this virtual environment and how it's still a relationship business and whether it's having a relationship with members of Congress and being able to stay connected with them. What you're saying is we also need to continue to pick up the phone and talk with our eligible employees and make that personal connection. That's the difference. It is. It is the key difference. I mean, I have another client who they're doing really exciting things. The key aspect in how they've been able to fundraise is when they've picked up the phone. It's really the only way they've been able to bring in money. Their email messages yeah, that's just not working. I mean, think about, especially now that we're all working from home or we're not sitting next to each other, you don't have the water coolers, you, don't, you know, water cooler conversations. It is all through email. I mean, I think my email has doubled at least since we've gone into COVID. So why, why am I going to read your message if I don't care if it didn't come from somebody I know? Didn't come, you know, if I don't understand what it is, if I've never heard of it, why am I going to take the time to do it? And honestly, it's been the personal asks that have been moving the needle for all of my clients. Christine, that is really one of the reasons that we started the Facts About Packs podcast and found such purchase. Uh, we went, as I said last week, to number one with a bullet. We're the number one pack podcast in America. And this original content and the way we are able to engage folks in the community has been, I think, special and, and needed. But it leads me to this question. You've seen crisis come and go from a couple of different perches. You are a consultant now. Help us understand for those who are seeing an exit of people from their pack who are not engaged, traditionally were, are not now, and new people, for whatever reason, are suddenly activating. Is this a shift that is forever? Is it worrisome? How do, how do, we, how do we make sense of, of that element of the new normal? I'm not sure it's forever. A lot of the early on drops that you will see in your pack are fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the fact that my spouse just lost his job and we need some extra money, fear of I might lose my job and I need to start saving. That's a lot in crisis. That is something you're not going to battle with. And I always tell people like, you know, I mean, that's people's personal dollars. Like don't battle them on that. They, they'll come back to you if they feel that you were really good to them. When you come out of crisis and you will, it will look different. The crisis at Boeing was a little different because I, it was 9-11 and we had all this patriotism and everybody was, we're in it together. And they were, I mean, we outraised, I mean, it was crazy, you know, but that was the patriotism. 
the crisis at Genworth, the financial crisis, was this what I was explaining, like my spouse is losing my job. I mean, it was kind of like you looked left, you looked right, and those people who were sitting next to you were gone because they were laid off. And so there was that fear. But then as we kind of started coming out of it and we messaged the heck out of what was going on on Capitol Hill, we messaged everything we were doing. This is why we need your support. And we got our employees activated in the issues where we hadn't before. We got them writing letters or talking to their elected officials and bringing in our senior leaders and what have you. And I think the education process brought people on or even back, especially once we kind of moved Beyond the crisis, again, we got into whatever our new normal was for the company. Like people kind of felt settled in. People started coming back to the pack because we were educating them. And honestly, I think for every pack, it's a very, very good idea to work with your HR department and see how you can work with people who are in the onboarding process. When you bring in a new employee, and not a, not a lot of people are hiring right now, but if you this is your time to kind of get that set up so that when you get to that process, you'll have that in place. And so you're already doing the ask the moment people come on. And if people are seeing this in their HR packets when they come on to the company, they go, oh, this is, a, this is a program that the company must think is important, so I should do this. So I think there's a lot of ways you can be creative in those that you lose and then how you bring them back on. But I, honestly, the key is being open, honest, and always, always talking about the PAC and your legislative program. So over the past couple months we've been talking a lot about the different ways we have to work around this work from home thing especially in terms of how we're getting our employees contributions to the candidates that we're trying to support in the past we relied heavily on checks but if we can't go to the office to get the checks and get them to the bank how are we going to do that so NADPAC did a lot of work on introducing people to ACH and giving them the tools and the resources they need to set that up for their path but we hear that you're working on some new methods for candidate contributions can you tell us a little bit more about that it's kind of exciting and very new for me I had been educating myself on on cryptocurrency basically and there is a cryptocurrency caucus in the Congress uh, chaired by Emmer and Soto and both Congressman Emmer and Congressman Soto had town hall meetings in the last two weeks announcing that their campaigns are going to be accepting cryptocurrency and they have instructions on their website on how to make those contributions uh, so I think that's exciting it's very different it, you know it's an unknown for a lot of people but when you kind of get in and look into it it's uh kind of an, an exciting world. You know, we'll see how that goes. Um, the, and they're not the only campaigns out there. There are others, there's a few other uh, congressional campaigns that are accepting cryptocurrency. So it'll be interesting to see how much they raise in that format. Hashtag actionable intelligence, Michaela. I love it. Christine, you're bringing the heat. You're bringing the good stuff on the facts about PACs. And I, for one, adore it. Yeah, this is late breaking news. I love it. We'll have to have you back, Christine, to give us all the ins and outs of how that'll work in the process. Well, Christine, I want to just thank you again for being on the Facts About Packs podcast. Appreciate all of your insights today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Great, great episode this week, Abigail and Adam. And coming up next week, 
Big doings. Mary Kate Cunningham, Vice President of Public Policy for ASAE, will be our special guest. I'm excited to hear from her, especially considering all the conversation we had about how the CARES Act is going to impact nonprofit associations such as NABPAC. And that never, that funding never really came through. So it'll be interesting to see her take on it and talk more about the association world. Absolutely. ASAE has been out front just to see where they are and how they'll continue to pursue their need as we move towards the election. Yeah, and they've had incredible engagement from their member companies, and we have certainly been a part of that effort. And finally, a special thanks to all of you, our listeners, for making us the number one pack podcast in America. Until next week, as always, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.